Okay, good morning, Faith Fellowship. Good morning. Man, new faces um, that I get to see. I didn't realize my brother snuck in. That's, man, love you, man. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so make sure you welcome our various visitors that we have that are here hanging out. Uh, you know, it's a good time. You know, COVID has allowed us to have a different schedule at church. And so that is allowing just for a little mixing and blending. And here we go. Here are these, you know, all these different things that we have. And, and so it's great. Uh, man, make yourself welcome. And uh, here we go. If you have your Bible, be opening that to Acts 7. You know uh, that we have been in Acts for a little while. And right now, we are just stuck hanging out with Stefan. Uh, his message is packed. <laughs> I love this guy, and I love his message, and I love just the example uh, that he is constantly showing me. And so there's some things that I want to pull out uh, this week uh, just to have it lay on your heart and really just consider if you know our, our review from last week, we looked at the accusations that were brought up against him. You know, he was said, it was said of him that he's a blasphemer against this holy place, the law, and also that Jesus of Nazareth would destroy this place in speaking of the temple and then change the customs which Moses had delivered. If he had said any of these things, it would be no different than the things that the Lord had already recorded in the Old Testament or a heart even that Jesus himself had said based on these now accusations, he is given an opportunity to speak directly to the audience and these religious rulers. He starts out with a greeting. And remember, we kind of focus on that because it's important to note that that greeting is one of invitation. He could have called them a lot of different things. But what he said of them was men, brethren and fathers hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charan. See, each statement is drawing that crowd in and it honors them in a particular way. By calling them men, they are mature, not children. By calling them brethren, they are family, not strangers. By calling them fathers, they are teachers and he is a student. And so you have to understand that, that he's... What his heart is at this moment by saying these things is that he was looking for revival. He's wanting to see the religious rulers maybe come to the end of themselves and just go, okay, we got it. Well, we know it doesn't play out that way. But it, what he has said is important. Hearken. They've given him the floor. Now he's begging them to listen. And so the thing that he starts with is very interesting to me with Abraham in Romans 4, 16. Therefore, it is of faith that we excuse me, that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to them, to that only which is of the law, but to that also, which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Abraham is mentioned because he connects Israel with any man that would put their trust in Jesus Christ. See, that's a starting point. You have to come to a place of faith. And so this is the individual that he brings up first. There is no law there. There's no circumcision even. It's only his faith that is present. And so these things become a wrestling match for the religious rulers of the day because, well, they're tripping up all over themselves in tradition. And they're missing the point. 
that there's something greater there to kind of witness. Our key points from last week are these. This helped to kind of establish our mindset. Faith in Christ is the beginning of separating us from the world. We saw that in verse 3. In verse 5, faith in Christ reveals God's plan and promises for our life. In verse 8, faith in Christ gives us a seal of identity. All of this amounts to freedom, the thing that he very much wants to see his people have, the thing that he has, that he is led by, which is why he is so bold in his statements. He's a deacon, y'all. This guy is getting a platform like an apostle. And he's a deacon with a a role already (laughs) to look after the widows. And yet no man stopped him from saying these words because they are true. Something to be said. And so if last week we looked at the accusation, we need to look at how this ended. Because I think it's important to the narrative for today. And you would find that in Acts 7, 51 and 53. I'm going to read that. It says this. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Well, that, I mean, <clears throat> that would be hard to hear. 52. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. That is the final statement. After that, the crowd goes crazy. And he is killed shortly thereafter. And so the thing that I think that we have to examine is, if that is what is said, and now let me just, let's be completely clear, that is not coming from his mouth, that is from the Lord himself. The Lord is transposing that message directly to them. So stiff neck, let's examine it. You have here in rebellion, 30, uh, Deuteronomy 31, 27 says, For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, why I am yet alive with you this day. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death. In refusing to yield, 2 Chronicles 30, verse 8 says, Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord and enter into his sanctuary, which he has sanctified forever and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. In disobedience, in Jeremiah 17, 23, it says, But they obeyed not, neither inclined their ear, but made their neck stiff, that they might not hear nor receive instruction. See, the one thing about being stiff-necked is, man, it is exceedingly prideful. You are hearing truth. You recognize it as such, but you still just say, I'm not going to obey it. I refuse to. This is the statement that is said of these leaders. And let's understand something about these leaders. It's super easy to demonize Pharisees, but God has allowed these individuals to become who they are. If their heart had simply been for him, it would have been all good. So we can't somehow just demonize them all of a sudden because of their ignorance. We do the same things. How many times has the Lord told you something in your life and you just said, I'm not going to do it? You know, you think about stiff neck. It's like when you do like this, 
And somebody try to turn it, you won't. They just, I ain't going to do it. The Lord says, go here. Nope. Stiff neck. What about uncircumcised heart and ears? Let's start with the heart. Prideful. Leviticus 26, 41 says, and that I also have walked contrary unto them and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled and they then accept of the punishment of their iniquity or ears being scornful and hearing this reproach of God's word in Jeremiah 6, 10, it says to whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear behold their ears uncircumcised and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Wow. I mean, this is true. We've been watching the apostles have to deal with imprisonments and threatenings and all of these things. And now it's going to eventually end up into the death of this man that is speaking. Where whatever it is that the Lord is saying, it just sounds toxic to them. It has an effect. The Holy Ghost is the one that suffers here, vexed and both grieved. Vexed in Isaiah 63:10, but they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he was turned to be their enemy. He fought against them. Grieved, Ephesians 4:30, you know it. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. See, all of this should cause us to pause and consider. We have, we have, human beings, <laughs> Christians even, have the ability in our rebellion to refuse to yield to God of all creation, causing our disobedience to manifest in many ways, but notably in pride and scornfulness, which vexes and grieves the Holy Spirit. To that, I just say, Lord, help. There are sometimes a viewpoint of our leadership when they are giving us hard things. Even if you haven't heard Kenny's message today, Buckle in. (laughs) If you are a father, if you are a discipler, if you are a fellowship leader, if you are a man, if you are a woman, that, yep, you got punched in the stomach this morning. I'm still trying to recover. But see, here's the thing about that. I hear a message like that, and on one hand, it is a punch in the gut. But on the other hand, I'm encouraged that my God is gracious to have given me that information so that now that I can do something about it. That's not where Israel's leadership is. In 1 Corinthians 10.22, we got to be careful because this could be our heart. 1 Corinthians 10, 22, it says this. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? How dare us ever get to the point that you hear the word of God and that you would deny it as if I'm telling you. (laughs) Man, I don't ever want to refuse the word of God from anyone that's coming to me as if it's somebody lower than me, whomever that may be. I can get truth from Gracie. You know what I'm saying? If it's from God's word, it's truth. Take it. Man, we we have to consider something. And so, well, now he's picked another individual in order for us to dissect and really look at what's going on here. We're going to be looking now at the life of Joseph. And it's very interesting to me. We need to read this for a moment here of just where we're going to be. If we start in verse 8. 
because we talked about, remember, that covenant of circumcision is like this identity for them. Any man or, or, or that's going to be, you know, circumcised after the fact. I almost said woman. Nope. <laughs> that's uh, not possible. Uh, <laughs> maybe in today's world. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and so any man that would do that would be identif- identified as being one of God's people. If you were a stranger, you would have to have done that and accept that, right? And so just like that seal for us, our Holy Spirit gets to be the thing that the Lord looks down and goes, these are my kids, this is my family, kind of the same thing, right? So in light of that, in verse 8, look at what it says, finishing up with Abraham. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. Verse 9. And the patriarchs moved with envy. So Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Our key point number one is this. The flesh will never fully acknowledge Christ and will always seek to move in the opposite direction. See, there is something that the Lord is trying to lay a foundation for. But when things are carried out in the flesh, they still manifest themselves opposite of whatever it is that God wants. You don't think that Abraham hadn't shared with his sons and grandsons what it was that was going to happen? Man, that is the that's the favorite story around any holiday. God will make a nation of us. You are the living fruit of that. And yet, still, his grandsons end up, man, I was reading through Joseph's story. They wanted to kill him just because he dreamt some dreams. They didn't observe what it was that was being said. They take offense to it. They see him coming from a distance. They are plotting to kill their brother. These very same people that have been given the opportunity to be a nation unto God. So, man, don't tell me that the flesh isn't powerful. You can have all the promise in the world. And if you let your flesh win, you lose. You lose. Romans seven eighteen says, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. See, Stephen is equating the patriarch's heart and the ruler's heart. And there's no law where they are. And now you have the law, but you've got the same heart. The same kind of heart that says, I'm going to try to carry out in a very pious way what it is that the law says for me to do in our nice robes and our high rooms, and all of these things, and serve God in the flesh. And I can't even recognize the Messiah that the Old Testament has been laying out for me the entire time. I can't, I'm standing next to him, can't see him. He's been crucified, I can't see him. Guys, man, I don't want to even be close to that kind of heart attitude. But I have been. Right. I have been where there's just this. I'm going to try to do it in the flesh. (laughs) It doesn't work. It doesn't work. See, 
it's, this should raise an immediate question in us. Who is leading me? Is it my flesh? Am I trying to impress you? Am I a man pleaser that wants to make sure that I get your vote? But I lose sight of the fact that I no longer have the Lord's vote in that. Man, I'm I don't deserve to be in this role, but I'm in it. And I don't need your approval for it. And I'm going to do it if there's nobody in this room. Because that's what God has commanded me to do. You know what I'm saying? Man, that's we got to get there. Our key point number two is this. Obedience does not guarantee an easy life, but it does guarantee God's presence in our lives. In Acts 7, 9b, but God was with Joseph, even though this thing had happened, even though discipleship has fallen short. We have passed information, but we have not established goals. Man, doesn't that happen in our church? People finish the lesson. Where are they at on Sunday? Man, we all hooped and hollered, was thankful that they got baptized. Where are they at? You know what I'm saying? I mean, just because you have a discipleship book doesn't mean you've been discipled. The patriarchs have the promise. And yet, I'm going to kill my brother over some dreams that still came to pass. I love it. God is so funny. <laughs> it's so good, man. See, it's I got it's Acts 7 9 B. And 7 9 A, right? They they sell him and he ends up in Egypt. And in 7 9 B, we didn't even get out of the verse for the Lord. No, I got this. But God was with him and delivered him. How? Out of all his afflictions. (laughs) Because not only when Joseph got there, he already started rising through the ranks at that point. Things are going well. And then Pharaoh's wife, you know, he must have been a nice looking dude. Probably got a nice beard or something. (laughs) Maybe he had that jacket on. I don't know. But (laughs) the thing is, she catches his eye. And then now it's like, I've got to ruin this man. And then the dude is like trying, has to like parry, like run away from her. This woman is aggressive. She's like a 21st century woman. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Super aggressive. Right? And like she's got something that lies on the dude, gets him in jail. And still, even in jail, the dude's like making friends. Because that's just the character of the man that he is. And God delivered him out of that. Proverbs 16, 7 says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh his enemies to be at peace with him. See, here's the thing. It's ways, plural. True obedience is more than right actions. It's a derivative of worship. John 4, 23 says this, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the father seeketh such to worship him. The rulers know what the Bible say. Just as Joseph's brothers know what God has said about the family, but it's just head knowledge. It's not here. See, worship recognizes the author of the commands and is connected to him, satisfied by him, grateful for him, and obedient to him. 
That is the heart that the Lord is looking for out of these rulers. Not just for you to be dressed nice, barking orders to the people. Nobody cares about that. So what? Man, I want to be very much in the roles that we have in this church and opportunities. If you are a discipler, you have a role that is of high regard in this church, in God's mind. Because you are furthering the kingdom. You want to be doing that, not from the flesh, but from a place that I'm connected. Man, I know what it did in my life. And I very much want to see that done in your life. I'm satisfied by whatever it is that comes to me. And, and Lord, because I, I have you. And even if I lost something, I still have you. If I'm grateful, Lord, I'm just grateful that your mercy and your love did what it did on the cross and made it good between us. I don't ever have to question that. That I'm obedient. Yes, because that's dad. And dad has asked me to do some things. And surely I can obey my father. Any other form of worship is just self-worship. You have to come to the grips of how do you worship the Lord? Man, listen, we don't want you to be a part of any ministry here just because somebody told you or asked you to do it. God forbid. Are you hearing from the Lord? You have to consider that. Don't pick and choose the things you will worship because then that's just you picking which one is worthy. And the Lord suffers. It's something to be careful about. And I don't think these religious rulers, they just don't understand what's at play. They got it down. It looks right, but it ain't right. (laughs) You know, man, I'd rather I'd rather look a little off and be right here. Because that's going to have more effect. Key point number three is this humility in us assigns the proper value to God. Acts 710B. See, what happens with Joseph is not only does he become delivered, but he gets favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Matthew 23, 12 says this. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. See, the thing is, the Lord is looking for you to do things knowing full well you are incapable without him. And you got to be okay with that. And nobody is. You know, I live, I work in an environment that um, perfection is very much applauded in welding and how you weld and what it looks like. I mean, am I right, Kenny? I mean, we know the names of those welders in the craft that are very good at what they do. Out of 1,500 members, you will know a single handful of these individuals that are like that. And with the, and with the Lord, he's like, uh, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm going to tell you every step of the way what to do. Are you okay with that? No. Can you be? Yes. All right, let's do this. <laughs> you know? And so... Check it out. First Peter five, six, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. 
See, man, if I'm going to be under the mighty hand, then I'm in the shadow and I'm in the protection and I'm being led because it's under his hand. That's a good place for me to be. Where's Israel's rulers in that? Had they maybe stepped out from underneath the hand and said, oh, we're going to master the law. Gamaliel, we know his name. This guy has standing, does he? Mm, interesting. Maybe what Paul said about all of his background, counted it dumb. Oh, Gamaliel, you're a part of that. Oh. Maybe that's how <laughs> we should see ourselves, right? Key point number four, hardness in life is to prove you. In verse 11, it says, now there came for a dearth all over the land of Egypt and, and, and uh, Chanan, or Canaan, as we would say now, and great <laughs> affliction. And our fathers found no sustenance. I love this. Now, guys, you got to absolutely just go with me here. In this lesson that Stephen is telling these guys and he's trying to inform them, trying to invite them into a space of transformation change to just consider this is all about self-examination. Initially, it's about faith, but now it's about worship. Deuteronomy 8.2 says this. And now shall remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thy heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Get this down. God allows hard circumstances for two purposes in your life to reveal who you truly are to you. He knows who you are. You don't know. And number two, to reveal who you truly follow. See, COVID, as awful as it is, is no different than any hard circumstance that we've ever had. The Lord is looking for responses out of his people. And you told on yourself. The racial tension in our country, you told on yourself. It's either the Lord's way or their way. You decide. But now you know where you stand. The Lord always knew it. He just, as a person with a workshop, got a nice little workbench with vices called hard circumstances. <laughs> and I'll just put you in it from time to time and see what comes out. It's, it's important for us to just know what things are. Guys, we should not, as Christians, with the word of God that we have, you should never be shocked. Never. When I was in India, <clears throat> and uh, they, me and Miles were asleep, and the worst doorbell to memory that I've ever heard in my life, am I lying? <laughs> Will scare you half to death. It's so loud, so awful, so asylum, mental asylum sounding. It's just terrible. And uh, we wake up in the middle of the night, give us your passports. Oh, Lord. Okay. We went back to sleep, right? I don't know where my passport is, but I'm, I'm tired, so I'm going to go to sleep. We'll worry about it tomorrow. We get up the next day, and then that's when we get our, together in a group. And Dan is like, you know, has any, I haven't seen um, um, Chris Adash yet. 
Christianized comes in shortly thereafter. Hey, guys, we're going to have to go to the jail. And in my head, I just said, of course we are. <laughs> yes. Today I might die for Jesus. And you know what? It's funny. I, I'm not kidding. And Miles can attest to this. Dan asked us in the car, did you consider that something could happen? And all of us said yes. We thought that was a possibility. We're in a foreign land. We don't know how they're going to treat us in America. This ain't America. <laughs> you know, this is India. And it would have been okay. And man, we prayed. We laughed. We snapped because it was all day. Um, then we laughed and we prayed some more. And we got out of it. Because that's what God does. You know what I'm saying? It's just something about, it helped my focus. I was just like, yeah, okay. And I'm going to, whatever Chris asked me to do, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to honor the Lord in this thing. And if, you know, we didn't have to deny the Lord. Man, we were ready for whatever was going to happen. So now COVID comes and then it's like, what do I do, Lord? Uh, I can face COVID. When you're staring down, because the policeman rode with us. That was all. That's so India, right? The policeman comes to the hotel that we are. He's downstairs. He has to ride with us. That was a tense car ride. Praise the Lord. I, I love that memory. And I thank God that he put me in a situation like that because it just helps me to have the right perspective on everything else. And so, man, you got to understand something. Those hard circumstances are absolutely important. And you need to understand God's heart in this. He was not satisfied with the rift in Joseph's family or the religious rulers versus the apostles. But in both situations, it did reveal their hearts. We know how it worked out for Joseph's family. They got reunited. They had to humble themselves. The dreams came true. (laughs) Man, the religious rulers, the Lord is about to change everything and offer now to the world Jesus Christ for everybody. And really just allow the veil over Israel's eyes to be there. And I I was talking to Serene about this. Do you understand the gravity of this decision that the Lord is making in this chapter? Okay, so let me take you back historically. Historically, if we think about the wilderness, there is that point in Numbers 13, 14, where the Lord is like, we're going to walk around this whole uh, thing for 40 years till this whole generation's dead. How many Israelites have died and gone to hell waiting for the Lord to come back? Since Stephen's message, he's not back yet. You see what I'm saying? Severe. So now I'm going to transfer my worship to some other thing and not the God of everything. God is not playing games. And even though the opportunity for salvation is clearly in front of Israel, still nationally, they deny it. The Lord is not playing games and we should not play with him as such. And so our takeaways need to be this for us. You got four of them. Don't ever rely on your flesh. That's pretty easy. (laughs) Never. Okay, going forward in ministry, I want you to just abandon that thought. 
The minute you start getting weary, you want to complain, you see a pastor or leader that's over you, and now you're about to just throw up on them, whatever's going wrong in ministry, hold it and send it to the Lord. You're doing it in the flesh. You just feel it. If I'm yoked up to Christ, uh, I'm not, I don't have any of the weight. I'm just telling you. He's got all the weight, not me. The second one is this. Obey God from a place of worship. Assign the proper value to him. Don't obey him just because somebody told you to or asked you to or because your buddies are doing that. Do it because you worship him. See him for who he truly is. Man, I love this third one. Humbleness over self-hate. See, self-hate, all it does is keep you in the same spot you've been in the last five years. But humbleness will move you forward. God is in humbleness. Matter of fact, humbleness will get you promoted. We saw that. And hard knocks makes us great fighters. We're going to have COVID. We're going to have social injustice. We're going to have India situations. We're going to have missions you know, missions, nothing goes right on missions trips. Nothing. They are like the biggest dumpster fire of like, you just say, well, they say, prepare for this. And then if you go on a trip with somebody like James, you will be talking more than you want to be. He's just going to throw you out there like that. Praise the Lord. You got to take the joy of it, man. We had planned on four days straight of teaching. We had two, three because we missed the one day. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hard knocks makes us great fighters. But now let me let me just highlight for you the takeaways for the religious rulers in case you want to flirt with that. Number one, well, the religious rulers are rebellious. They refuse to listen. They refuse to turn and see the Lord Jesus Christ for everything that the Bible says that he is. It makes you prideful. It makes you unwilling to hear. And maybe worse, you resist the spirit. How can you be led? Man, if that's going to be your attitude, I'm telling you, you are wasting your time. You will not win against the Lord. And so this message really is just about be aware, okay? (laughs) Be aware. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and we'll be done. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Examine yourself. Listen, a lot of counseling could be dealt with if you just look in the mirror. Read the word of God and then do what it says. Confess it and move forward. It's fine. You don't have to wallow in it and then wear it. And, you know, because it's like nasty sweats. It's super comfortable, but they stink. Right? That's what that kind of space is. It's just you got them nasty sweats on. And ain't nobody seen you or heard from you. Right? And we're kind of glad because you stink. But listen, man, I'm telling you, it didn't please the Lord that 
he was going to have to say what he said. Do you think he found joy in that? Those are his people. He moved heaven and earth (laughs) to get them to be his people. This is a huge slap in the face. You have to understand that, right? That's God's heart. So that's why he's always giving you opportunities to get out of it. Guys, he doesn't want to give you the belt. You can't stand it. You weren't designed for hell. You see what I'm saying? So why don't you be where he is? And so I just pray that at least you consider who you worship does matter. It absolutely mattered for Israel and their leaders. And right now we are still living and waiting for the Lord to come back and rescue his people. Now, man, I um, don't wait. Because, see, I can, you can be on the comeback party. So I want to do wings, big sword, all of that stuff. You know, nice shiny armor or something like that. I don't, something cool, <laughs> you know. I'm, me and my brother could nerd out. We could just have, you know, Pegasus the horse. I want all of that. Yeah, just like, you know, <laughs> you know my eyes light up like Thundercats, all of that. Just, I want all that. <laughs> so I ain't waiting, you know. I want, I want it now, right? And so I just pray that you do too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much just um, for your word. And Lord, I pray just for all of us that we would just truly live this out, that we would consider whom we worship and that all the effects that it has on our life and what we're doing. Lord, thank you for the testimony of Stephan and just what he's doing. Lord, we we're still not even halfway through it. Um, Father, teach us from your word. Let us apply the truth that is coming from it. Lord, grow us up. Get us to where it is that you want us to be. Lord, thank you for your love, your patience, and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.